This is the Sister Squad with Morta, Nona, and Dekuma. <laughs> Nona. Nona. We'll just stop right now. <laughs> this week's podcast, we're going to start talking about, or uh, do over. This week's podcast, The Sister Squad wants to talk about strong black women and examples that we have seen. And we also want to talk about our coronavirus updates. So go ahead and take it away. What are we starting with? Uh, let's start with the, with the shows that we've watched and the women we've researched. Okay. Nona, do you want to go first? Um, well, I... I wanted to do the free movies that I have watched, like, in the last short period of time, which were black women over three different periods. The first one being Harriet Tubman, who I had watched that movie just recently in Red Fox because it came out. And then I turned on um, the Netflix and watched the limited um, miniseries Self-Made that was written about or made about. C.J. Walker, who was a black woman who developed black women's or hair products for black women. And then the third one was the Hidden Figures, the movie about the three women who worked for NASA and pretty much figured um, by hand manual calculations for to land the rocket or whatever it was. I don't know. What do you call it? Anyway, so I those three women are over three different time periods, and I think, you know, I wanted to talk about what, you know, they really made a change. Okay, and so, Dekuma, um, since you happen to be a history person, why don't you do Harriet Tubman, and then I will talk about um, C.J. Walker, and Morta, you can talk about the Hidden Figures gals. Um, okay. All right, really quick, Harriet Tubman is a heroic female figure. I think most people know her. She ran the Underground Railroad. She was a conductor for it. And she really just spent her whole life giving up, gave up everything to, to save other people. Became her life goal. Um, she led hundreds of people and, and family members is who she started, you know, trying to get out of the South to freedom. So she took them through the secret networks. There are still homes in the South where you can go in and and see the little rooms, secret rooms that they set in there for for um, this this route, this railroad route, which wasn't a railroad. It was just a way of, you know, it was word of mouth. You knew how to get there um, by someone else telling you where to get to the next station, and they really didn't give you any more information than what you needed to get to the next place. And this is one of the things that she devoted her life to, to developing it. And trying to find people who would also develop um, or give their life to this also and give up their freedom possibly to um, help people be free. So she did this before the war and then during the Civil War she worked as a spy. She was willing to give up everything. Um, she was born sometime in the early 1820s. They don't know for sure because of course slave records are are iffy and she had been sold several times and she was she was part of a family that had been broken up over and over again on the plantation and so she was kind of used to that she was lashed 
um, severely beaten and lashed that she carried those scars forever. She was beaten by her owner. At one point in time, he threw something at her head and she kind of had seizures, I think, for the rest of her life because she wouldn't go help him catch a runaway slave. So she, she, you can see from that, that incident by itself, like she was a teenager and she just, this guy told her to go help him and she kind of gave him the green weenie and just said, uh, no, I ain't going to do it. And looked at her like, what are you going to do? And, and he knocked her upside the head. And so these were things like kind of cemented into her life. So the loss of her family, this, you know, standing up to the overseer. And so they were things that kind of set the course for her life. And um, so she was finally freed at the age of 45. And so when you think about that, like, first of all, 45 years of her life in 1860 is like, we're going to be around getting close to the 1860s. That, I mean, that's old, number one. 45 is a long well, time to live. Right. And pretty close. And so you should be in your twilight years at 45 during this time to where you're, you know, maybe you're going to like rest in the rocking chair. And she was freed at that point in time uh, by an owner. And she then just started doing what she is most famous for. So I, that's what I love about her. And maybe some of our other figures a little bit too, is that they're prominence doesn't come about when they're teenagers or when they're young in their 20s they really it's a lifelong commitment for each of these ladies like the cj walker movie was um there were some people that weren't too happy with some things that they changed you know for like the pc and to make it more progressive uh-huh you know, they like in that movie they made her daughter a lesbian her daughter who was married three times you know, yeah, I wondered so, about that. That's annoying. It's like, well, you know yeah, what? because it really takes away from the story. It really takes away from the story because why I watched it and why I wanted to watch it is I wanted to know who this woman was, and you know, and she was a very religious and faithful woman. I mean, I'm, which, by the way, Harriet Tubman also was. Um, I, what I don't like about like sometimes the movies is you is you look at them and see, okay, is this something that they have kind of made up, but I'm guessing that she was like a religious person, but she, in the Harriet Tubman movie, like where she stops them one time, she stops and prays, and she was a religious person, and she was very um, God-fearing, and like she was waiting for the Lord to tell her which way to go. Very much and so. I, 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 yeah, well, I really liked that, and what I could see, from what I could see, like watching, um, the C.J. Walker movie, she was also a godly woman, you well, know, if, very um, religious. If you look at Harriet, she marries a guy. He won't leave. She marries John Tubman. He won't leave the South with her. He won't leave slavery. And so she takes off. And I don't know what you know about slavery, but slavery basically is that if your mom's a slave, you're a slave. You So if your dad was free and your mom's a slave, then the kids are all slaves. And why do you think it it's that way? Why why would it be matriarchal in that? Give a give a guess. Well, because women wouldn't leave their children. Well, not only that. Be my guess. Well, 
not only that though they want the money like the slave owners the money well and you can you always know who your mother is like that's my you point can say that the so father was someone else if you have a mulatto child as a slave you can pretty much guess that someone on the plantation yeah. other than a slave was the father and so slavery you know went down the the matriarchal line um so she left and he stayed got a new wife but she took off and um and went, went, you know, went north and then decided to help other people. She had her freedom. She could have kept going. She could have, you know, started a new life, which she did, start a new life, married a soldier. And she then continued to go and help other people. It wasn't enough for her that she was free. She wanted that for other people. Her nickname is Moses. And I love that because, um, you know, we have other Moseses that we've, given that nickname to throughout history and one of them's Brigham Young and and the American Moses. Yeah, the American yeah. Moses. Lead people to the promised land. But she she um she went against everything and even chanced, you know, becoming a slave again to help other people. And that's what I think is really important about her. Well, I think being a slave again, I think they would have killed her. If they would have got a hold of her, they would have killed her. Because she had you know, led so many slaves away. And not only that, she made them, she like gave them hope. You know, everybody mm -hmm. knew who she was. And she led so many of them away that I think they would have, if she'd have gone back down there, being a slave again would have been the least of her problems. Well, and through the network, she would save family members that she knew were going to be sold off. So if dad was going to be sold off, or kids were going to be sold off, and they were finally willing to make the trip, they were willing to, you know, go through the dangers of taking the trip that's when she would go down and save them to keep their family from being broke up and you go back to what happened to her in her childhood and seeing her family ripped apart as you know brothers sold you know dad sold sick. that she is like nope that's not going to happen to anyone else and so so she went and did it what a rock star mm -hmm. she just i keep forgetting about her but she's hit my, like, people I need to meet when I die list, you know? Oh, for sure. Like, mm -hmm. the the bravery and the courage that it would take to risk your life. Because you're not just risking your life. You're risking everyone in your family. Like, everyone who you live with would be in danger if you got caught. It's akin to the people who hid Jews during World War II. You get caught, you're in big, ugly trouble. Well, it's not even the thought of, you know, if you get caught, like, they kill you or they shoot you. There are things that are worse than death. And I think, right. like, for her, that was one of those things, the way that they mistreated, um, the way that they mistreated the people that they had in slavery was just horrific. You know, I can't even bear to think about it. The same with the, you know, in the Holocaust, you know, with the Jews. It's, Did you guys I ever read 12 Years a Slave? I think I just watched it. Did you read it. that book? No, I, I just watched the show. I it don't. was amazing. It was like so amazing. I cried. I was listening to it when I worked down in Salt Lake, and I would listen to it on Audible on the way home. And the narrator was Lou Gossett Jr. And it was, I mean, it was phenomenal. But just absolutely that he had proof that he was a free man. And they didn't care because I mean, no, they didn't. It's human trafficking. Like it doesn't matter. It's just like how you can kidnap somebody now and sell them for sex. They didn't care. They wanted the money. Yeah, and yeah. it's just disgusting. 
Well, and a slave was, was very expensive. Like, you bought a new slave. He was, if you got a guy, he was 1200 to $1,800. I mean, you'd so spend $2,000 in the 1800s. It's, it's, I know this is really crude to say, but a farmer, that yeah. it's like buying a tractor. You are not going to really abuse that or lose that commodity. That's why they were sold, bartered, traded. Right. It's like, no, this is a piece of equipment to be traded to somewhere else. You know, well, it, well, it also, oh, go ahead, Nana. Well, I really like that whole um, thing they used to justify slavery, like that they weren't really human, except for, you know, the slave owners had no problem sleeping with them. Right. You know? Yeah. It's like, uh, they're not human, although, you know, let's be honest, some men will sleep with a goat or anything, but... Well, I just, just think disgusting. that, but I just think that was more a lie, you know, the lies they told themselves to make them feel better about what they were doing, you know. Well, and then the other lie, that they're like, oh, this was better than, than living in Africa, the slave plantation. It's like, well, you know, I didn't see those slaves hopping on the boat willingly, you know, like no. that's, who are you the, to decide their destiny? It's just so disgusting. You know, and, and really, like, we feel like that we're so much more advanced and, and you know, there are a lot of us who are, but there's still, I mean, human trafficking still happens. Slavery is still happening today. It just doesn't happen in our house or, you know, in your house, but it's probably happening a lot more close to home than we would like to admit. But it's not legal. That's true. That's you know, true. I, I mean, I just that, mean like the human condition. I'm not saying yeah. legality. I'm just well, saying there's still wicked, evil a holes who are willing to treat other people mm -hmm. like property, and it's disgusting. But as a as a general society, um, right? As a general society, I think there are you know there's still lots of wicked people, but I think I think most people are good. You know, most Agreed. people Agreed. would not would not be okay with that but you know it's the few that are bad that um make all the noise or you know get all the attention all, all the people that are going around doing good stuff on the news at night you're not hearing about them you know you have to go to john krasinski or whatever what is his name if yeah. you want to hear some good I think news it's krasinski isn't it yep it's the sgn the, network i can't remember that <laughs> some yeah, good news SGN network <laughs> the sgn you know, network but yeah, you're not you're not hearing about the good things on the news. So, but but you know the bad stuff is really bad, and yeah, and that hasn't really changed. I don't so think. so Harriet Tubman dies in in 1913 at the age of 93, and then when was C.J. Walker born? C.J. Walker was born. She was born in 1867, and she died in 1919. So they died not too many years apart, wow. which is kind of amazing when you think about that. Yeah. Because um, C.J. Walker, excuse me, Madam C.J. Walker, which, <laughs> by the way, um, she named herself Madam. <laughs> no, I like She's that. She's Madam C.J. Walker, and she picked that name herself, uh, which I think is funny. Um, but she... Um, she was born the first free person in her family. 
So she was born in 1867. And history teacher, what year was the Emancipation Proclamation? Well, the war ends in 1865. So she's she's just two years after the Civil War. So she's free. Yeah, she's born she's free. The first child in her family born into freedom after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. And then her mother died in 1872, which she was like seven years old. Her father remarried, but then he died a year later. And so um, at the age of seven, she went to um, move with her sisters and live with them. And so she started working at the age of 10, I believe, as a child domestic servant. You know, do you know someone else who, who worked as a child domestic servant? around maybe no. that time i don't know our great grandma um grandpa's mom that came from denmark she worked with the she lived with another family when she was younger and worked as their house helper whatever when our she grandpa was daryl um yeah mm -hmm. yeah his mom he told me about that so anyway so i guess that happened so she worked, um, but she became, she was an American entrepreneur, philanthropist, um, and political and social activist. She's recorded in as the first female self-made millionaire in America in the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, not first black or African-American, but the first self-made millionaire in America, the first woman. So... That's Amazing. quite an achievement. She started with nothing. I think there's um oh there's a a documentary that it's like two dollars in a dream or something, <laughs> and it's about her. There's and there's another movie or something that's written about her. Um, she made her fortune by developing and marketing a line of cosmetics and hair care products for Black women through the business she founded, the Madam C J Walker Manufacturing Company. And she also became became well-known for her philanthropy and activism. Um, she made lots of financial donations to different organizations when she was a servant. And then at the age of 14, she married a man to escape her abusive brother-in-law. And so she had a daughter with her first husband and in 1885, and then he died in 1887. She was 20 and had a two-year-old child when her first husband died. So she remarried in 1894 and then left her second husband. And then uh, around 1903. And in 1906, she married the man that would be um, Charles Joseph Walker, who she took his name. And he was a newspaper advertising salesman. And... So she used his advertising skill. I was watching a, um, a documentary today that was one of the black women, and she was talking about you couldn't even you couldn't even get a comb through your hair because she also she, she did so she developed products and she developed you know like a comb for their hair and the products for their hair and stuff and the pictures on her product show her and in the and the one in the documentary show she had long hair. You know, so she was like, she had long black hair down her back. Nice. And, yeah, and so but she went from, she just, she thought she was ugly, and she went from that. So she started 
work in selling products like door to door selling the black products for an, um for black hair um for working for another woman and and she got married you know she she was married and she, her husband helped her manage business and so she was going door to door selling her business kind of her business rivals products and while she was doing that she started developing her own product and the other lady Annie Malone who was a African American hair care entrepreneur millionaire and owner she owns the Poro company she accused her of stealing her formula um but it was she used a, a mixture of like petroleum jelly and sulfur that had been used like for a hundred years or whatever but CJ Walker kind of did her own spin on it and so but she had she ended up you know she she ended up like building up a whole product line she like built a factory she employed like 20,000 people um, and she encouraged women and taught them how to build their own like build their own business she opened up uh, she opened up uh, like businesses like a school to train them to teach them how to do hair um, to train and also how to be sales agents and they added a laboratory for research so she just kept growing bigger and bigger and a lot of her employees all of her management and staff they were all women um where was she located what state was she well she moved around in? she she went I'm math illiterate she, she just went from she went to move back. so look she started in the south and so just really quickly so um after the civil war ends the 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 slaves aren't freed by the emancipation proclamation the civil war ends and they're finally freed the emancipation proclamation didn't free anybody in the it freed people in the south that were in rebellious states so nobody was freed by it until after the end of the wars so as soon as the war ends all of a sudden now you have all these free slaves and they can be sharecroppers and be poor as church mice or they can move north and so they move to Indianapolis, they moved to Pittsburgh, they moved to all of those cities that we know today, um, Detroit, they, New York, Harlem, because they are, it's a great migration north for them to get jobs. So they've lost also their family, that kind of that family unit, they've taken their immediate families and gone, and a lot of them locate to the north. So she goes to Indianapolis and Pittsburgh, and so she's got these large, humongous, growing African-American communities that are who she's selling to. And that's why. So, so and they, it's easy to jump from, like, say, Indianapolis to Pittsburgh because everyone knows everybody. It's, it's, a, it's a growing community, but it's still like family ties. You can make it from one community to the next. And then she ends up going to Harlem is where she ends up, like, she ends up going to New York where the center of everything is. So sorry to cut that in, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. She, in 1908, she was in Pittsburgh. In 1910, she moved to Indianapolis. Yeah, and she just kept, she just kept growing. And um, I think, I'm not sure what year, but there were, but there were about 10 million African Americans. And she wanted to capture that market, and she, you know, she did. She was, she put her picture, her picture was on everything she made. You know, she knew how to brand. You know, that's the great thing about having her husband. She, you know, she learned how to brand, branding. And, well, and she, so she she'd come from, from having, 
like terrible hygiene, like not hygiene, but well, not even that. Just think about um, plantation life. Like how much yeah. do you look at your appearance? Like they did what they could to now freedom brings a lot more issues into your life. Like now, like the mulattoes are well looked upon and what level of black person are you? And and then you have the black hair, African-American hair, that you have to find a way to, to you know, style now. The cutest short you guys have to watch is that Hair Love that won this year. I've seen it. Oh, my gosh. I've it's it. darling. It goes right along with her. Um, Nona, yeah. you'll have to watch it. Because, you know, we're more than 130 years later. And still, the issues that C.J. Walker, I mean, I haven't watched the doc or the movie or anything, but, you know, like still trying to figure out how to take care of black hair. You know, we live in Utah, and I know there's a lot of people in Utah who are white families. Uh, we believe in family a lot, and so a lot of families will grow their family by adoption and don't really care what the race of the child is. So you have a white mom, white dad. And everybody in their family is white. They, you know, we have a really white state. Well, that's an issue with my daughter-in-law's um, sister-in-law. They adopted two kids, and that was an issue for her. Trying it's to figure out. Yeah. I need to like, know how, how to take, take care, care of her hair. hair. Yeah. I mean, it's a completely different thing, you know. You don't. Yeah. So it's not how my hair is. I don't know how to take care of it. Yeah. So CJ Walker was way, like, she was dealing with a problem that, you know, like, well, not a problem, but like an issue. Like this is our hair well, is. Well, if you're um, balding and you've got dandruff, it is a problem. <laughs> it's no. a yeah. huge problem. She yeah. felt like she was ugly. You know. That's her, sad. That's sad. You know. Well, and a lot of um, women, you see a lot of like the movies and stuff. They wore their hair in wraps and stuff. And watching the documentary, <laughs> the lady said, you know, they couldn't get a comb through it. Their hair was just unruly, and so they yeah. were very much in you know, in need and in want of products like that, that she, you know, that she brought for him. So yeah, she just, she was so into activism and philanthropy. Um, She was in like the, what, the National Negro Business League. She, she went to the, she went to their convention or whatever and spoke from the floor. And then the next year they had her speaking at it, you know, they, and they didn't let women speak at that time. Um, but she raised funds to establish a branch of the YMCA in Indianapolis's black community. Um, she just did lots of lots of different things. So lots of different things. Gave lots of money. Okay, and by the way, where you say you haven't watched it, uh, alert. There's, uh, it's on Netflix, and I had to put my code in to watch it. And I put it in to watch it again, and I thought, what was in there? But I think there's a sex scene in there, so don't be watching around your kids. I had to fast forward through that, so. Got it. But anyway, well, I just. sometimes I'm stuck in my office. I can watch things that yeah. way, like well, I when just, I can drag with my computer. I just thought she was an amazing person. And I, and I, after having watched that and Harriet Tubman, like, right next to each other, both of those movies, the thing, you know, I just thought they're such strong women and they have done so much for, you know, for other black people. And, you know, what were the character traits that were the same for those two specifically? Because we don't really know the, a lot about the personal lives of the other women in the Hidden Figures movies. But 
for these two, it's like they were just selfless and and God fearing, you know, very God fearing, right. selfless and willing to take risk and sacrifice. And their sacrifice was her sacrifice was for others. That's for sure. Okay, so that leads us into our last movie or topic of of strong black women um, who are such an example to us. And I um, rewatched the movie Hidden Figures last week, and um, I've seen it before a couple times. I really like it. And if you haven't seen it, it's about Catherine uh, Goebel, and then she gets married and her name changes to Johnson. And she was... um, a mathematician and she calculated the flight trajectories for the project mercury and then other other nasa flights and so she was played by actress taraji henson the real katherine johnson was born in 1918 and then died in 2020 she died in february you can imagine that and then the other character um well, they weren't characters. These are real women. Dorothy Vaughn was a NASA supervisor and a mathematician, and she was played by Octavia Spencer. And I was looking up the C.J. Walker. It looks like she was played by Octavia Spencer as well. I know. I love her. So that, yeah, she's hilarious. Have you seen The Shack? That's another story. It has uh, nothing to do with this. Is she in the help? <laughs> yeah, she's in that one too. She's amazing. So, and then um, Mary Jackson was played by Janelle Monet, and she was a NASA engineer. So if you haven't seen Hidden Figures, the plot, um, I'll just go over that briefly, and then I have some uh, information about what was real and what wasn't real from the movie, because I like to do that. When it's when I'm watching a movie about something that's based on a true story, I want to know the based on the true story part and not the so much not true story. So the plot is, is that Catherine gets assigned to the West Area Computers Division at Langley in 1961 as a human computer. And while she's there, she's going to calculate the flight trajectories. And they're trying, in the movie, they're just trying to figure out the mathematics to get the capsule out of orbit. They can get it up into orbit, but they're not quite sure how to get it out of orbit. Um, So uh, these three stories, and in the... In the movie, these three women are close friends, and I don't know if they were close friends or not. I couldn't determine that by my research. But meanwhile, Mary Jackson is assigned to the heat shield team where she identifies a design flaw. And she wants to be an engineer, but she is um, uh, hindered by getting her engineering degree because she needs to take some classes at a segregated, segregated white high school. And they won't let her, um, they deny her the ability to attend this white high school for evening classes for her engineering degree. And then Dorothy uh, is a supervisor. She's an acting supervisor, but she doesn't have the pay increase or the title that goes along with being a supervisor of the colored uh, division of the mathematicians. And they're the human computers before the IBM computer is introduced to NASA. Now, um, in the movie, NASA is segregated not only by race, but it's also segregated by gender. And all the women work together, and um, and the um, black uh, people are also 
segregated. And of course, by the movie, we don't ever see a black man working at NASA. So we have no idea how that went down. So I read about that. If you haven't seen the movie, it's amazing. There's a, a lot of really great moments that you just kind of are cheering for these characters because they're so brilliant and they're such strong characters. And uh, uh, I just think that about everything in the movie is amazing. So in real life, um, there are some things that are not as um, dramatic, but I think they're dramatic in their own fashion. So in real life, in 1958, NASA was really um, was still called the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, or NACA, uh, NACA. And in 1958, it became NASA. And at that time, all the segregated facilities were abolished. So the movie set in 1961, it's still it's still segregated, but it really wasn't like that um, uh, in the real life. In Mary Jackson, now she's the one that wanted to be an engineer. She was the one who had to haul herself across NASA for the bathroom. You know, there was only the bathroom on the West End, and on the East End, there were the segregated whites-only bathrooms. And Catherine was also on the East End, but she just used the white-only bathroom because it wasn't designated. It didn't have a sign on it. So she just used the, the bathroom that was whites-only for years she used it and before it would, the whole NASA was desegregated somebody complained about about her using the white only bathroom and she just ignored him because it was too far to walk <laughs> I, thought, I thought you know that doesn't make as good of a movie but it's kind of better you know it's like uh yeah no piss off I gotta go to the bathroom there's one right there and that's what I'm gonna use <laughs> and so I just thought it was so funny um Let's see. So Mary Jackson, the engineer who needed to uh, get her degree and go to the white high school, the whites only high school, she didn't have to go to petition to get a court order to attend night school at the whites only high school. She just asked the city for an exception and they granted it because she was going, she was a NASA engineer and she uh, completed her degree and was promoted to an engineer at NASA in 1958, which I thought was also pretty oh, telling. That's awesome. Yeah, well, because it makes it, I mean, it's it doesn't make for as good a movie, but, like, it just shows you that there were good people, like, mm -hmm. that saw that these women needed to go where they needed to go, and they, they got out of their way. Um, yeah. So, you know, Kevin Costner's character in the movie, um, I forget what his name was in the movie, He's his Kevin character Costner? was invented in the movie Hidden, Hidden Figures. Uh-huh. He was Catherine's manager or like supervisor or whatever. Oh, the supervisor. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So his his name was I forget like what it was. It was like Ed or something. I don't know. But anyway, his character was just an invention, like of of a bunch of different um, characters to kind of because the the supervisory and the um, hierarchy at NASA was pretty complex. So they just sort of created an amalgamation of all of these different um, people and made him into Ed, uh, Kevin Costner's character. And so there's a pretty pivotal scene in the movie where Kevin Costner finds out that Catherine is walking across the campus to go to the bathroom and he knocks down the sign that says the colored restroom. And that, of course, never happened. You know, like that was... Um, 
that was just for a movie moment. And as I was investigating, like, what happened in life versus what happened in the movie, there was some complaints from different people that this was, like, a white savior moment. Like, the filmmaker needed to put this white savior moment in. And, you know, you can look at it that way, but I think what they were really trying to do was make a great movie moment. You know, they're making something that somebody wants to see. So I don't, I don't really know how I feel about that as far as, you know, it didn't happen, but they're trying to make something that's going to sell tickets. Um, so Paul Stafford and Vivian Mitchell are characters. They're played by whatever Sheldon's name is on, you know, Big Bang Theory. Uh huh. What's his name? I don't know. I know him only as Sheldon. Yeah. So Sheldon plays Paul Stafford and Vivian Mitchell is played by Kirsten Dunst and they're kind of barriers to Catherine advancing and to, um, uh, Dorothy Vaughn's character advancing. And they were both creations of fiction that just sort of portrayed the kind of attitudes of that time. Like Paul Stafford, the Sheldon character, he was irritated that Catherine was in their, in their group and, and doing the mathematics. And I think it could have probably been about, um, about race, but also about gender. It's like, here's this woman coming yeah. in and, and checking his numbers. And in the fifties, that could have just as easily been any color of woman, you know, that does yeah. math. And, um, and then the other thing, uh, that was interesting is John Glenn was portrayed in the movie as a younger man than he was at that time. He was about 10 years older, but he really did ask for Catherine specifically to verify the IBM calculations to get him out of orbit. Oh, that's he, awesome. She didn't have to do it. She didn't have to do it like on the spot in like a couple of minutes. She had a couple of days, but he was like, yeah, let me, let me have that person. That's really amazing at math. Yeah. And I really Regardless don't trust of what the color she is because I, I'd like to make it don't down and die. not be a fireball yeah. when I get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was really interesting. Um, I loved the movie so much, but I, when I read the, the real life, like what they did, um, I think that that's even more interesting because it seems to me that NASA kind of got out of their way in 1958. That's the year that Mary Jackson was really promoted to engineer. That's the year that when it went from NACA to NASA, that they got rid of segregation. And um, Catherine was appointed to the um, that computers division earlier than the 1961 that was portrayed in the in the movie so well, it makes for a great movie but i don't think in a time where we have so many problems with race relations that creating conflict over race that right. wasn't really right. there i don't think that needs to be done you know i mm. i think that's a bad deal we already have we already have enough people I think you have you have a couple of different ideas about race. You know, people that think there are no racists, then people that think everyone's a racist. And yeah. then when the truth is somewhere in the middle, you know, there's a right. lot of people that have different things. And that's a topic for another podcast. But I think 
in in this I think it's amazing what they did anyway I realized that they yeah. had to have maybe have conflict but I would have probably preferred to have more character development as opposed to right. as opposed to made up conflict right it's like well, especially the fact that she just like used the white bathroom because she's like well it wasn't labeled and I needed to go well, and so and there brings, it was well and that brings up a whole different issue about you know why do we like some things you know, people don't want to step out of place because of fear. You know, what's going to happen to me? You know, Jim Crow and you got the Ku Klux Klan, which that stuff was around then, you know. Um, and so, you know, just like using the white bathroom, that's courageous. That is a courageous thing for, you know, if these right. other people, you know, if these other people maybe felt like they needed to go somewhere else, just someone that's like, you know, like, I'm not going to sit in the back of the bus, and I'm using White's bathroom. Right. Well, I you know? just thought it was hilarious that, that she used it for years before anyone complained, and then they complained about her, and they somebody talked to her about it, and she went right back to using the, the bathroom because that was the closest bathroom. Like, yeah. I don't have time. I'm busy. I'm putting a man into space. I've got things to do. Yeah, I don't care Why about your toilet. Great. Why do you care where I do my business? <laughs> You know? Yeah, yeah, well, I thought it was great. I just, I just think it that they amazing. were going to spend more time. I would have liked to have seen, I would really have liked to see more about who these women were rather than and just what than, they did. Then they, made up conflict. Yeah. You know? Well, I think yeah. sometimes too, like, of course, they're trying to sell a movie, but also you're trying to get the time period in. And so that's a reminder. I think those are just reminders right. of what time period this is. And so maybe it's not accurate, but this is what's going on in the United States. And mm -hmm. yeah. so even knowing that NASA that, went yeah. outside of that, that it didn't really see gender. It didn't see gender. It didn't see color. What it saw was a really, really smart person. And Which, it would have been well, nice to have seen that. I think it would have been so much better if that's what was going on in real life to see how that affected them, where they went from their life where race was an issue to go to work where yeah. maybe it wasn't. Yeah. That just, would have been, you're brilliant. That would have been more um, beneficial, especially for young people looking at it and seeing, seeing like, okay, what is, what are race problems now? Because according to a lot of people, race is so much more, there's so much more racism than there ever has been, you know, like everything's racist. It's like, well, you know, I think if a lot of these people had to go back and live in their grandparents' era, they would be, you know, maybe think a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that it's okay or anything's okay now, but I just don't think stoking right. flames where they're where they don't need to be stoked. I would have I would have much preferred to see an accurate, you know, yeah. look for the real conflict and put that in the movie rather than making some yeah. up. Creating something. That's regardless, it was a good movie. Yeah, it was a really it was good, a good movie. movie. And shined a light on three women who were just amazing. And, and you know, like a movie can only be about, you know, one, two, three protagonists. You can't have, you know, dozens of protagonists. And they were, there were other women and clearly men who, um, you know, maybe somebody, somebody else could make a movie about them. But certainly these three were the cream of the crop for sure. You so know, we wanted to highlight in today's episode, 
amazing African-American women who've stood out in history and who've made an impact. And sometimes we didn't even know about them. Like Harriet Tubman, we probably all learned about in school. But Madam C.J. Walker is someone who had an amazing accomplishment. And no one knew about her until Netflix, you know, put this movie out there. Well, I shouldn't say no one, but we didn't know about her. And the Hidden Figures ladies, I didn't know anything about till I watched the movie. So regardless, I guess, of how they portrayed it, the reality was yeah. is we learned about it and then we went and learned more because they were amazing right. ladies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I agree. Once again, we want to thank you for being part of our podcast. And if you enjoyed listening to us, go ahead and follow us on iTunes or on Podbean. And then stay tuned. We'll have new episodes out next week.